Here we go again with another open pitch session hosted by Cube United. Cube United believes that we are all on the same team, and the health of the sport comes from open dialogue and a collaboration between all Cube enthusiasts. If you enjoy open pitch or anything else Cube United is doing, please consider making a donation at kubeunited.com. Whether one-time or recurring, you can help offset the real cost of our efforts to support the community and advance this great game we all love. I'm Dobby, also known as Josh Feathers. He's Chad Bevers of Fox Valley Cube, and he's Evan Fitzgerald, president of Cube United, and we are happy to be hosting the sixth Open Pitch episode. This episode is supported by the Visit Beloit JET Grant Program and the U.S. Open Tournament that will be held in Beloit, Wisconsin on August 5th. The last baseline is down, the king has been killed, we've shaken hands, and now it's time to chat on the open pitch. All right, boys, we're going to start this cast by breaking the ice with a very, very important question. What Coob have you played recently? I'll kick it over to Chad. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for the introduction. Yeah, the last tournament that I played was uh, June 3rd down in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, hosted by Aaron Berry and the Madison Coop Club. And it turned out to be a great day. The uh, weather up to that point was we're all like iffy, should we bring our rain gear, blah, blah, blah. What ended up being a great day, sunny, warm, no, no wind or very, very little wind. So it wasn't like previous years. And it was just, just a great day. So that was my last uh Actually, the last time I played some Coop, so... I heard a rumor about that tournament. I heard there was no win this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there wasn't, which which is... And if you played at Madison in the past, you know that that's typically a very windy tournament, but uh, we lucked out this year and it wasn't. Evan, what Coop have you played recently? We uh, got to play in Casson, and so the wind that we usually see in Madison definitely made its way over to Casson, Minnesota that day. It was... It was a very bad day for anybody who brought a tent because there was a lot of damage. I, I, I would guess there's probably 16 to 18 broken tents by the end of the day. We had 25 to 45 miles straight line winds. Uh, it was pretty crazy. It was definitely, you wanted to win the king toss because playing into that wind was, was a real bear. But overall, it was just a fantastic tournament. Jason and Dede Halverson, uh, they, 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 just, they run a tournament that I always have circled as one of my favorites, especially as a player. It just it brings in a lot of really strong teams, and format was fantastic. We, uh, you know, Everybody there had a great time, and I know they raised a lot of money for the Cuban to kick cancer. Uh, so definitely my hat's off to those guys. Also, I got to play. It was really kind of a, a cool experience last night. There's a group called Cuba Life who's in kind of northern Milwaukee area. They, they run a league, and Darren Finger and Cody Glorioso from Grilly Goods they, I got to play with them in the league, and uh, afterwards, got a, we played quite a bit with the Kube Life team that's going to be there at Nationals, and really got to kind of work with them, kind of discuss some things for them to work on. They kind of was able to gauge how how well they're doing. Uh, real strong team. They're they're doing some really cool things with a really fun Kube League up in that area. Very cool. As for myself, I got to play in Rockford with my family. I got to play with Steve and Stephanie and Sue. And we had a great time up in Rockford. The tournament was awesome. It was a, another great cause for that. It, it was a great day, and there was a lot of good competition, and the food was great. It was a fusion Swedish food. So I got fried rice and Swedish meatballs all in one plate. And that's 
all the coup is that all the coup we played this month evan i know you play a lot more than i do yeah i mean i that was the only tournament i was able to make i unfortunately had a well i shouldn't say unfortunately but i had to be in a wedding uh during the madison tournament so i really hated missing that one yeah other than that it's been some league play a lot of demonstrations but that's really been it for me so far this month yeah we here at the united hope you were fortunate enough to to get some reps in the summer as well and maybe with a 12-ounce counter rate to balance your toss. <laughs> that leads us to this month in Kube. Evan, what do we got going on this month? Yeah, so I think we kind of touched on a couple of them. Madison tournament that was won by uh, Team Redemption, which was Darren Finger and Chad Bevers. Then uh, Casson, it was uh, myself and Darren Finger. Kansas tournament, they had a Midsummer's tournament, and I know this is actually the first tournament I won back in, was it 2013, I think, Josh? Uh, I got to play with Josh and Steve and Sue Feathers down there. So that one's kind of a, uh, that, that one holds a kind of a, a good place in my heart. And uh, I hadn't, I didn't hear any results down there, but they're doing some really cool things in Kansas. And it, it's neat that they've been keeping that tournament alive. As far as midsummer festivals go, that, that was just a fantastic time. I know my wife and I kind of got that one on the schedule next year. We're really looking forward to making it back to Kansas and, and seeing everybody down there. Uh, then there was a couple uh, smaller ones that kind of getting kicked off and one was a star prairie tournament that rick larson i met him at casson he's running so it's really cool that uh, he's he's getting a new tournament going there there's been some talk that he might even be able to i think on july 15th Hopefully we can pull together a Kube demonstration at the Milwaukee Brewers Stadium and kind of do some tailgating and play Kube. Kind of hoping he's able to pull that one together. And I know I'll, I'll kind of get a lot of people in the Milwaukee area out that day if, if we can pull that off. Uh, the other thing was the Carolina Cup. One of the people who got the Kube United Community Grant was Drew Gardner there from Raleigh. They had their first tournament. They had six teams. I know uh, Kyle Weakland was able to get his first win along with Drew. I know he was really excited about that. And he, he's such a really strong player. That won't be his last one. So that, you know, it's a really cool there they're trying to do a kind of a, a team or there's, there's three clubs that are kind of popping up in the carolina region and uh, so it's really neat to see coop growing there i think uh i, I know drew is really excited about he's put a lot of effort into it so really excited to see what they can do there in carolina so i just want to back up a little bit did i hear that we're going to be playing Cube at the brewers stadium well, just outside, um, it'd be, oh. so, yeah, I think I don't know if he, he's talking, maybe rolling out some carpet out there, kind of a little bit off. So I, the tricky part at those places with so many cars around, I know we, we'd have to find a place there. Sound like a really cool idea. I, I really, like, so that's one I hope we can really pull together. Well, I was just wondering if they're actually going to let you drill on the stadium. It probably wouldn't be, be good for the field. Oh, it, it won't you're be, out there throwing. Yeah, it won't be in the stadium. It'd be kind of a tailgating experience is what we're looking at there that's awesome yeah so yeah so it'd be outside in the parking lot yeah something rick kind of discussed or he said he was thinking about doing so i said hopefully Hopefully we can pull that off. That'd be really fun. Let's see the other thing is uh, three three forever falls. Saw so they I know they had a tournament up there. Boy, he's he's been running tournaments for well over a decade. So you don't really but it's really cool to see what Ryan Wayne Colden's doing up there with that one. And then they had another one this weekend, pre nationals there at Eau Claire where they got to play out on the soccer fields. And from what I could see, the wind may have been as bad or worse than Casson was. It, I was trying to watch the finals, and I know the wind was so loud on the video, I had to turn down the sound because it was. Uh, it was pretty hard so it looked like they were having a, an interesting experience out there and I heard it was raining a lot I did see Greg Yokumson and Scott Forster powered through and won that and I believe Greg has won every pre-national tournament was, was what I what I heard so uh, definitely congratulations to him agree very cool Chad do you have 
So maybe some things to talk about for July. What things are coming up? Yeah, yeah, good question. Yeah, we have uh, big stuff coming up, actually. Uh, as you well know, and I'm sure everybody that knows what the U.S. National Championship last weekend was the, the big draw for the July 8th U.S. National Coupe Championship. But up to that, the Friday is the U.S. National Junior Coupe Championship, which is for a kid. So that's Friday, July 7th, and that's at the Eau Claire Soccer Park. The director is Eric Anderson. And then the big U.S. National Championship on July 8th and 9th, and that's, uh, again, at the Eau Claire Soccer Park in Eau Claire. Eric Anderson is the director, and that is the two in the 1st of July. And then we have the Stoughton Coombe Invitational on July 22nd, and that is run by director Todd Fossil down in the Virgin Lake Park in Stoughton, Wisconsin. That's what we have for July. Those basically those three tournaments for July. Some the, the, the pretty big one, I think. You know, obviously the U.S. Nationals Hunter 2018, kind of a big deal for July. A little bit. Yeah, that's a that's a big tournament, a two-day tournament. Yeah, and then well, the, the Stoughton tournament. That's part what Kubi United is calling the Cheddar Curtain Tour, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah, correct. The Cheddar Curtain Tour has five different places that are being played. The first one was Rockford. Uh, that was the first uh, leg of it. The second one was Madison. And the third leg is the Stilt, which is July 22nd. The fourth leg is the U.S. Cube Open, and the fifth leg is the Cube and the Kettle. But getting back to Stilt, that is the third leg. And interesting enough is that with the Cheddar Curtain Tour, there's team points as well as individual points. And if you look on to or check uh, Kubernetes website, there's a spot in there uh, for the Cheddar Curtain Tour, and it will list the teams right now in points as well as individual players. And we've only had two tournaments up to this point, but this third one now for Stone is really going to change the points around. I mean, teams are probably, you know, teams that are sitting like 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, are probably going to see some movement in there for sure, but there's a lot of teams in here that are that are coming back to, to play in it because it, it makes it a little bit interesting now. You know, if we put a little put a little little something in there, and it, it, there's not too many rules involved uh, with uh, getting points. It's just you know coming out and playing, you're automatically registered. So I think people are having a good time with it. But all the points are listed on there uh, as of right now. There is 73. Is that right? 72 teams, actually, in the team standings right now. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, we had to make a little change with the team qualification. Originally, it said, like, if you were, you know, you had to have the same team to to, to, to score the points. But then we kind of made a change because, obviously, Kube is definitely a flexible team sometimes. So what we've done, as long as you have two players from, from a previous tournament, you can actually combine them. So, for example, uh, the Northmen, they had... Troy and Joe played in Rockford, and they added a third player for Madison, so it made sense. They still called themselves the Northmen. It was Troy and Joe, um, so they actually are able to combine. So we basically changed the rules so that we, we did allow teams like that to where it actually scored both tournaments. So um, instead of treating that as two separate teams, it, it, it just kind of made sense. We know we'll have some tweaking to work on that, but uh, that's so we're trying to be a little more flexible and, and actually hopefully make the series more interesting this way. So i got to ask. What is the Cheddar Curtain? <laughs> so Aaron Barry brought that up, and I it's funny as I live, I basically live on the Cheddar Curtain here on the state line, and where Illinois and Wisconsin come together. But it, it it's a it's kind of a kind of a joke going between like the, the Iron Curtain, you know, they talk about with Russia and some of the Eastern Western Europe. But the kind of joke was between Wisconsin and Illinois uh, is that we have the Cheddar Curtain kind of between the two. So it's kind of a kind of a way I think Wisconsin pokes fun at Illinois. A little bit here but we're uh it's kind of a fun 
kind of a fun thing and it was kind of an interesting name uh kind of made sense at the time we were looking at it was starting off the rockford madison stoughton we were right there on the you know kind of on the line along with beloit and then uh you know we kind of kicked around some other ideas but we, you know then we also added kettle moran so but yeah we just kind of kept that name and we'll see hopefully it, it, it kind of had some fun uh like when we talk about it as a group it's kind of had some fun connotations with it the cheddar curtain war of 2017 right <laughs> The farmlands of Illinois versus the dairy country of Wisconsin. <laughs> yep. Yeah, usually they call us names like Fibs, which is a F in Illinois B. You know, <laughs> you can kind of figure it out from there. But it's, uh, so it's like, so we agreed. PG rating for this. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so after the Stoughton Cuba Invitational, the next step on the Cheddar Curtain Tour is the U.S. Cuba Open on August fifth. Correct. Yeah, that's correct. Do we have any updates for our listeners for the U.S. Open this year? Where are we at? Is there anything to do on Friday? What about Sunday? Yeah, let's talk about Friday. In Beloit, every week they have typically like a large, like a concert series. For those who came out last year, you know, they had, I think it was, it was kind of a blues band that was playing there in the park right next to where we were playing. This year there's actually a street dance that's going to be going on Friday. So if anybody's interested in that, they get thousands of people out there. It's a really cool event. For those looking for something a little bit more laid back, we're going to be out at the Rock Bar and Grill Friday night. And so that's that the place that's been supporting our, our Beloit Cube League. And we're just going to have some pitches set up. They have a tiki bar out there, sand courts. Uh, you can, yeah, obviously, hopefully play some coob out there um you know they also have like bags you know down with bags but you know they do they do have those available there as well and uh and some really good food so that's that's what we'll be doing friday night as far as registration we are up to i believe it's 30 or 31 teams now well you know we definitely we, we can support up to 80 teams there in the park and the coob sets we have so we're really we'd really like to see that get over 64 this year and so i know we're gonna be spending a lot of time putting recruiting and so if anybody's looking to come out please sign up we'll, we'll love to have you chad you anything happening saturday yeah with the, we worked with a local radio station down there wjbl we're gonna have a uh, two-hour live broadcast down there at the at the park in the early afternoon so that's going to be kind of cool we're gonna also have a radio broadcast on the radio uh, i think two weeks prior to the tournament so we'll be doing that we'll be doing a rock paper scissors again uh the boy parks and leisure services uh put that on the visit boy i believe is that right evan yep yep that's been a tradition for all four years or I guess the three years they've had the tournament there in Beloit. Yeah, and that's fun for yeah. anybody who hasn't done it. I mean, that's really free and open to anybody. What they do is, uh, they, they you know, they, you get medals kind of similar to what you win for winning the Coob tournament. But, you know, you'll see little kids out there as well as everybody. And so it, it is kind of a, it seems kind of silly at first, but when you play it, it actually, it's kind of a fun experience that everybody really gets into. I remember watching the uh, rock, paper, scissors from last year. And, and some of those people were getting really intense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was funny as a uh, one of the funny scenes I remember from like as the second year we had it was we had a little little uh, Zoe Ansek from Rockford and she was going up against Drew Strait and you well you know those Coob players know Drew from out of Eau Claire there you know he's got a burly guy and they you know he kind of had the he had that. That, that game face on and I was I think we were all just cracking up little Zoe looking up at him and yeah everybody's pulling for Zoe but Drew I think pulled that one off but it was a lot of fun to watch 
So. <laughs> yeah, and as far as Friday night activities, you had me at Tiki Bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right up by the river. It's a, it's a really cool place to hang out. Sunday is going to be, obviously Saturday, there's going to be a lot of coup being played. So that, that'll be really cool. Sunday, uh, we're doing a, we did this list last year. It's, it's very informal. This year, we're trying to get a little more structure to it. But it's it's going to be a 1v1 tournament. This is free to anybody. Uh, anybody, you know, obviously, we'd love to have people hang out and hang out after the tournament Saturday. I know we'll be we'll kind of kind of figuring out what we're going to do but i know there's a lot of a lot of really cool local hangouts and so we'll we'll kind of get some structure on that but then uh sunday uh, i know we have a lot of people camping and hanging out so the idea is we're going to actually have a 1v1 tournament there uh what we're going to do is i think it was six rounds of the the dmk format and basically we're just gonna yeah because i know a lot of people are going to get on the road so we're hoping to have that all wrapped up but before noon um but it could be a real kind of a fun way just to kind of hang out and and see some of the best players in the country play play cube one-on-one very cool thanks for the update it is now time to check the mailbox if you would like to send us some hate mail please email us at unitedwecoob at gmail.com. You can troll us on Facebook or connect with us through Discord. Evan, did you get a chance to check the mail today? I did, and we had one through Discord, and this was from Kyle Weakland from the Burning River Coob Club. Question, this two-parter, we're going to kind of handle the first part, and then we'll, uh, we'll follow up with the second. First one, he says, I've noticed over my two years of competitive Coob that the playing level has gotten and continues to improve dramatically. I would say every year there are maybe four or so teams that have a really good chance to win the whole thing. If you were to put this year's U.S. Championship field against the field from, say, 2013, four years ago, how many of this year's teams would you say would have been legitimate contenders a few years ago? That's a lot to take in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a deep question. It's interesting. I'd say the level of play, what I see in 2013, kind of the big story there was actually Josh's team, the Knockerheads. That team, as long with the Coob Sickles, certainly would, would be in the running to win today. So there's, you know, there's, like I say, that it, that is a lot to take in. I, I'd say that there's a lot of, there's there's definitely probably a few more teams, I would say, that have a legitimate chance to win this year. You know, we have some teams that who were in 2013 that won't be there. Some teams that, are, you know, maybe don't put as much time in and stuff like that. For example, like the Coob Sickles, I, I know Mark Blazel, he used to play a lot of tournaments. And now, obviously, with his uh, medical school, I'm not sure how Coob Sickles really haven't been playing a lot of tournaments. That doesn't mean that they're not a serious threat. Chaska teams, they had a really strong team in 2013 with the Kingpins. That club's always evolving with different teams every year. But I think that, you know, they're obviously going to have two, maybe three really strong teams this year. So overall, I would say there's probably a couple more teams that have a legitimate chance. But what I see a big difference between 2013 and now is that field from like, say, 6 to 20 or 6 to 30 has just gotten much deeper. Say, you know, there's definitely a lot more good quality teams coming up than, you know, maybe before, maybe 2013, it was maybe 16 maybe 18 teams deep now i say it's there's there's some really strong up to that 30 32 to two teams deep yeah you make a good point the depth of skill has increased from 2013 to 2017 there are a lot more teams that could, that could make it to sunday than there were in 2013 and i agree with you team knockerheads 2013 would would bury to the united today i was 20 pounds lighter and four years younger I was. <laughs> yeah, but, I'd be no match for that guy. Oh yeah, and I and I know you know there's a lot of players that are doing it today. You know, like we were definitely back backyard rats. <laughs> I mean, you know, we were back there practicing every night. And you know, I'd say some of the elite teams maybe, or I would say you know, elite teams from the past 
probably don't put near as much time in, but that's not to say there's a lot of up and coming teams that are putting in the time. I know teams like, you know, like with the two beardos and a weirdo, you know, and Chaska teams are putting a lot of time in. Damage Inc. is obviously there. So it's going to be kind of interesting. It's kind of, you know, like I said, some teams are obviously up, some teams are down. It's going to be kind of a cool, it's definitely going to be a cool semifinals, I think, this year, just kind of looking at the brackets. And what I see, different, the biggest difference personally, what I see is the level of skill of players today and how many people have a full game that they're bringing to the pitch. Not only are they good at eight meters, they're good at in-casting, they're good at, you know, the four meters. So the level of skill and the amount of people that are good at the game, I think, has increased dramatically today versus, say, you know, four four years ago. That's the biggest change I see. For example, today, if I were to compare today's level tournaments with back in 2014, I would say that is much more difficult today to make say the top eight today than it was back in to say 2014 because of the level of skill how many people are coming to the table with good all-around coop skill now um, that's the biggest difference i see yeah and that kind of leads into the next question that that or kind of the second part of the question kyle had he says also i'd love to hear you talk about how the game is changing over the last few years because in my opinion in casting is no longer as important as it was a few years ago and now great eight meter play is the difference between a good team and a great team I wouldn't mind starting off with this one. I would say I don't see like the what I consider championship level play has changed all that much. I mean, realistically, back in 2013, in my mind, the knockerheads really set the the formula how to you know it was like great in casting followed by a very good blasting, clearing the you know clearing the four milders you know efficiently in that three to four range you know three or four baton range every time and then you followed up with a great eight meter player grant scott back in the day was you know every bit as good as any eight meter play we had at, at that time so, you know even even today so i would say that they kind of wrote the script for you know what it really took to play that championship level coup now there's definitely several teams who, who i see still following that model but everything begins and ends with in casting i mean you if you don't have a great in caster that that really sets it up and it's one of those things where you know obviously the great eight meter play but if, if you're not to me it sells in casting as is every bit as important today as it was before i mean not everybody's at that level of darren finger yeah i see a lot of people with good mechanics actually you know be able to do some of the drill and control but i don't i still don't see a lot of but in my opinion, a lot of people consistently putting together really good piles, kind of like what Josh Feather did back in the days, as well as what really what we see Darren Finger and some people do. I mean, there's a lot of people getting better and better at it. Still, there's a big difference in casting, I think, but it is getting better all the time. And certainly, you see a lot, you know, a lot of really strong eight meter players out there. Yeah, I think I'm going to nerd out a little bit for this and push my glasses up to my brow and talk about a concept in a trading card game I play, Magic the Gathering. There's this concept of a metagame. And the metagame really dictates what other decks other people are playing so that you know what deck to bring to the tournament. You could have the best deck in the world, but if everyone's playing hate against that deck, it's not going to fly at a tournament. So there's this constant ebb and flow of this metagame. And I think you see some of that metagame in Coop, especially from 2011. You'd almost call it kind of this, this age of drilling. Everyone was starting to learn how to drill, and teams that had to adapt to overcome 
the, the, the teams that could drill. And what, what you found is that the way they adapted, the way they changed their metagame was to learn how to drill too. And then you had this age between, I would say, 2012, 2015, you had the age of eight. And once everyone got to a point where everyone was kind of drilling successfully, they're going for the corners, the eight meter came to a head, to a light. And if you didn't have a good eight meter game, you couldn't get past some of the best teams. And then what I would call now, we're kind of in this age of versatility. You're looking for three or two or three well-rounded players that can kind of do it all. And each throw is a separate event. And every player has to be well-rounded enough that they're comfortable either taking a four-meter shot, an eight-meter shot. All players need to have the concept of drilling to be able to assist and guide defensive strategies where you're putting cubes up. If you don't know some of the, the patterns of play, if you don't have the what I'll call heuristics of gameplay down, you're not going to be as effective as a team when you're discussing some of the defense or how you should go about attacking a group or whether we should rescue a tube. A well-rounded team, I think, is going to be the competitive advantage in this, what I'll call, age of versatility. Very well said, Josh. Hey, that's a, I do agree with the, the versatility, and I do see more players today coming together on the pitch individually with a better overall game than years ago. That's what I see. That's what I see today. I think there's a lot lot more players practicing in the backyard and trying to get to that next level. And we're seeing that, that increase in skill level, and it's shooting up dramatically. I mean, there's new players on the scene that weren't there four years ago that are now top players out there right now. you got the, the Gyps and the Brian Winnesoffers of, you know, talking to this year, you know, you have people that are really practicing their game and that's, and they're coming to the table with players that are good as well. So it, 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 it's, it's showing and it's great to see. Yeah. Yeah, definitely the versatile, you know, and it is what's neat. And I think that's what, you know, that's one of the things I love about watching, you know, one V one or even playing one V one is you really develop all those versatile skills that, you know, maybe you don't really get when you're playing, with a larger team size, you know, and once you really develop those skills out there, you know, playing 1v1, and then if you have a few players who, who are doing that, more interesting. And, and Josh kind of touched on something interesting is, you know, e- even if you don't have definitely every great team or any really consider, considering, te- you know, contending team is going to have a, well, at least one really good driller, if not great driller. But what happens is when you have a couple other guys on the team who are also very good in casters or good drillers, they see the game a little bit differently, especially when they're trying to attack the piles. And, and so I think that really does add to the whole team or the fact that, let's face it, every time in a game, and at least in a tournament, everybody is going to have to throw fours at some point and you know throw at the four meters. And so it, it's really important to have everybody on your team with the ability to do that can't just be an eight meter player because there's a time in the game where you're going to have to save your team by picking up uh, you know uh, a four a four meter with that six baton so i you know i think it's really important to keep everybody involved in all phases of the game and so i agree that that is one thing that's that's really neat is you're seeing more and more versatility out there well i hope we did that nail uh, that we got justice with with our dialogue so good thoughts all around i think uh, we're going to move on and, you know, we would be remiss to not include an update from Europe. Evan is our resident jet setter. He's played Cuba in more countries than I've ever lived in. I think he's played in three different countries. Evan, do you have any updates from across the pond? 
last year when I was in Belgium, I've uh, been able to keep in touch with uh, with, with several players over there. It's been kind of exciting. Is for one, obviously the VM is coming up here. You know, I think that that's here here in August. So I know which is the World Championship there in Gotland. So I know a lot of teams are always prepared and excited about that. The one area I do follow quite a bit made some really good friends in Belgium while I was playing there. And so I really follow theirs. You know, they have what's called the Coupe Federati, which is a really interesting, you know, way that they do with the way they track their teams. One thing that's kind of interesting in Europe that probably doesn't happen as much in, in Belgium is, you know, the, each of their cities or a lot of their cities will have these these clubs um, where it's a lot more consistent. You know, here in the U.S., I think teams are obviously much more fluid. A lot of us have to travel a long ways, and you kind of it's kind of fun to get opportunities to play with a lot of different players. But there, they definitely have more of a team concept, or even I would say even more so a club. So what they, but the other thing I really like is they run their their system. Is every tournament is really scored the same? So whether it's a 64 team tournament or a 24 team tournament, the the team that wins it has an opportunity to win. You know, basically get 32 points. And then it goes down from there all the way to one. And then anybody, you know, who, who shows up at least gets one point and that accumulates. So let's say a team has, uh, you know, that team that maybe finishes around 12th pretty frequently, but they make eight, 10 tournaments a year. All those points get added up and it gets them a chance to find that top 16 players, which then there are 16 teams that at the end of the year, they have what's called a master's tournament. It kind of cause a really, a really interesting thing there. What I really like is that they do keep all those tournaments the same, which I think probably encourages more, you know, maybe some more of those teams to go to some of the smaller tournaments and help fill those up. To me, that, that I've been track of that quite a bit, and it's really interesting. And I actually got a chance to play a lot of those top teams that are in that, that top 10 to top 16 while I was there, and uh, really good teams, really good guys. Is, you know that that's the one thing I, I watch really closely across the sea. I wanted to ask you a question about Europe, and it had to do with the demographics. Do you see the the fact that a, a player over in Europe can go to thirty different tournaments within a, an hour of, of where they live? As a uh, do you see the structure and the formality that that we're getting out of Europe? being a part of that or is there something else at work have they just been doing it longer what do you think that is i think the culture is different you know and so the one interesting thing that i see is they also have like you know for instance like with soccer you know it's funny interesting hearing some of the guys talk about that they have that rivalry between communities we see a lot of that in high school sport but it doesn't really carry on past that so i think kube has kind of fallen into that culture where you know, that maybe that city versus city or, you know, and, and so it's kind of that formation of clubs to the city is something that's kind of built there. It's going to be kind of a challenge in the U.S. because we're spread out so far, you know, in there. So I think we kind of need to kind of keep working together, kind of come up with some ideas, to maybe capture something different or maybe something that fits more with the U.S. You know, so, so I think we would have some challenges really to fit into there. You know, maybe a, a state type thing could pull it off, but it's, it's definitely not the same culture. And, you know, we, we have some challenges with distance and things like that to, to really make that work. Sure. Anything else going on in Europe? The other tournament I know I followed pretty closely was, you know, when I did the Be Like Tom article, they had what looked like a really, really fun tournament out there. I had a lot of teams come in and, you know, it, it's one of these that I could see would just be a really fun time to hang out. That's how they had a, a really large 1v1 tournament going on. I know they had this really cool structure where they, you actually see those on a lot of the 
the European tournaments where, you know, the whole, the championship field is kind of like, you know, encased with, you know, banners and, and kind of almost like in a cage type setup, but, you know, I mean, not, not an overhead cage, but, and they get a lot, you know, that's the one thing is you'll see a lot of people hanging out and watching it. So it, it's kind of a different environment out there. You know, that, that one that I did follow pretty closely as well. Cool. And one by the Kubings, which cool. uh, a couple of the Kubing, or at least, I know Robert Harnick's coming out here to play in the in the U.S. Nationals along with the Omen brothers, and uh, he's bringing another player with him from Germany. So uh, we'll actually get to, or many many of the players will get to meet them. So that's going to be pretty exciting. Awesome! Thanks for the update from across the pond. Well, gentlemen, the team live draw for the U.S. National Championship was last Saturday, and with U.S. Nationals coming up, I wonder if they're interesting. Any interesting storylines in the bracket? I did a little bracketology and found a few things that were interesting from the team draw in the upcoming U.S. National Championships. Looking through the groups, I just wanted to give a shout out to Group M. They pretty much have the most diverse teams. Got four different states represented, five different cities, and two different countries. We've got Chaska, Chaska, Minnesota, Amory, Wisconsin, Rostock, Germany, Downers Grove, Illinois, New York, New York, and St. Paul, Minnesota, all in the same group. I also noticed the local group, Group Z, which I'm calling the Friendly Fire Group. Uh, all folks from Eau Claire that are going to have to uh, take each other on there. Yeah, there's a lot of teams from Eau Claire in that tournament, obviously, so kind of surprised it wasn't more like that. But <laughs> that was, that... We've got Madrid Bain represented in Group T, Edmonton, Alberta, Go Oilers <laughs> in uh, Group X, and we've got another German representative in Group P as well. I think that this is, at least I believe this is probably the most internationally represented uh, nationals to date. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Send me a note. Let me know. I, I'm seeing so many different countries here. I, I can't believe it. It's kind of cool. Now, did you, Evan, did you see anything that stood out to you? The one group that kind of, I would say, is kind of maybe kind of under the radar. I don't, I don't sure I was saying that I'd say like a, a real serious group of death, but group U is to me a really interesting one. When I was trying to figure out, well, who do I think could win this one? And, you know, even that down that second through fourth, that was, that's one that there's at least three teams that I, you know, I've actually got to kind of, to kind of meet and work with this year. Uh, you have Coob Squirrels. Uh, they've added Jesse Frame and, and, you know, he's obviously a very strong player and played him in Michigan and he, he just gets better all the time I see him. And then Kyle Weakland, who's obviously, you know, like, He's he's no longer under the radar as uh, as as we've been seeing him a lot more this year. He's been traveling around to tournaments and doing really well in all of them. So the Coob Squirrels is definitely going to be a, a real you know a really good team. Who I have to kind of favor in that. But then there's the other three California Cougars. That's the top three players from the, they, they do a ladder play kind of similar to what the, the old Des Moines Coob ladder was. Three players. We're talking about that versatility. They're all you know all three. You know, there's uh, John uh, Pedersen who's like a his drilling is getting really strong, and he's he's a real consistent player with that. Wayne Wayne Bostic, who really good eight meter player, that's a lot of fun to watch. And then we also have uh, uh, Julian uh, Julian on that team, and uh, Julian's is one of those guys that is very strategic thinker. He's got all the skills. That that's actually going to be a, an interesting, strong, fun team to watch, and definitely a lot of fun fun to hang out with. Uh, and then the other another 
team in there is Kublai. If the guys I got to hang out with last night, like I said, very athletic uh, young guys who are you know, younger guys who um, definitely love the game, getting a lot better all the time. Uh, definitely a strong team. I would kind of say along with California teams, it wouldn't surprise me to get in that top 16, you know, if, if, the, if the path and the brackets work out right. Definitely teams who, you know, somebody who could, who could make some noise there. And then the Kubaholics who've been coming, who we've seen at Nationals several years. I believe they even won like maybe the silver bracket one year. They get two or three strong players. So I so said that, that that's the one group that kind of jumped out at me is one where I was having a real, you know, to me it seemed like a coin flip as to how that, you know, maybe that two through four Coob Squirrels is probably definitely, I would say, the favorite there. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me to see them, uh, you know, be, be challenged strongly by any of the other three three teams in that group. So would you go on record as calling this the uh, group of death for 2017? <laughs> I I would I guess as far as what I could see I'd say yes um, you know we probably don't see as many groups of death now that we're up to 128 teams I mean when you go from 80 to 128 in a couple of years it's it's hard to fill that with a lot of really strong teams but obviously there's definitely uh, you know things maybe spread out a little bit more so we're not seeing quite as many group of deaths but this is one that I in my mind definitely seems like it probably deserves the title this year and the, the reduction of group and deaths group of deaths do you think that happens because of the iterations as the tournament gets seated years over years do you think iterations play a part in that do you think it has to do a little bit with maybe what we were talking about with the uh, the male with, with more teams kind of having a little bit better skill overall what, what do you think is it, or is it just a uh, a blip on the on the chart? You know, obviously, it's, it's you know, I guess if if we were to say that there's a lot of really super strong teams out there, you know, you would expect to see more group of death. I think it's a little bit, you know, the iteration spreading things out it, 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 over the years is 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 kind of kind of working its way through the system. As well as like I said, I think there's just a lot of we're seeing a lot more teams, and you know, maybe there's some really strong teams out there we don't know about. Typically, I would say no, because as we know, you really become a, a serious contender you really need to hit some tournaments and and kind of work your way through what it feels like to be playing against some of these top players in the you know in the finals a lot of you you know and that you can get a lot of that experience in the net so I, I wouldn't say there's probably a lot of teams out there that would shock me as doing really well but the uh, I think you know it's a, I think that, you know the growth of that tournament is maybe kind of spreading some teams out a little bit more and uh, in, in, in the iteration like you said winning your group uh, maybe giving you a little bit better draw the next year uh, probably helps out with that a little bit yeah i mean if you're you know scripts scripts are meant to be broken obviously but looking at the uh the standings and and assuming things go to script looking at the last games on saturday do you see any slugfest in the group of 32 um there is one game that really interests me in the, in the qualification that's the Coob stashes against pure michigan which is basically a replay of the semifinals in ohio this year uh so yeah you know really strong team coming out of pennsylvania with the Coob stashes uh they had two two of their players that we've seen at other tournaments and then you have uh, Joe and J.R. Hershow, who finished fourth at the U.S. Open last year, and they're adding Tyler Wood from the Sutler's Baton, and they have to face up, <laughs> you know, right away in that qualification, which is the loser of that one's going to definitely have a, a challenging draw from there. So it's kind of an, you know, that, that that's one that I, I'd say in the qualification that really kind of jumped out at me is, is a, an interesting match. Uh, round of 32, uh, Tears Trey, whoever comes through that one, which is 
probably the winner out of that U. You know, that was a game in the round of 32 that definitely jumped out at me as being uh, a, a very tough battle for a round of 32 game. Yeah, this is all prediction, but we could right, have right. a slugfest there uh, between like a tears tray and and a pig squirrels, for example. Or a, uh, you know, I mean that group is is so wide open. There's the skill there. It's possible that a two one and one team could take the the first seed in that in that group. So it'll be interesting. I'll be following that group for sure. And then I guess I'll I'll kind of go into my maybe my predictions on on some of the. Uh, Sunday morning slugfests. I would not be surprised to see damage incorporated against the Coop Stashes. I think that we'll probably see a slugfest between two beards and a window and a weirdo, the Kubing project potentially. As well as uh, the German teams in that one, Chaska and Germany, right? Yeah, 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 yeah that's, that's savage. And I think that Kib United is going to be playing the Coop Sickles again on a Sunday morning. Yeah, you seem like you guys, those two teams. I think Josh Fares and the Mark Blazel, that's you almost see it almost every year there, right? <laughs> Except for last year, maybe. I see, uh, I'm going to Kubanite maybe in, in the Ringers. Uh, that seems like a pretty good slugfest there on Sunday as well. Yeah. And, that, that, and there's gonna be you know, Skull's right in there in that other group, too. I didn't even, you know, I was just looking looking at T1. They're going to potentially have a chance to get to Sunday uh, Skull. Yeah. If things play out, that's, you know, it's going to be interesting that the, the team that finishes second in that bracket with Coob Stashes and Pure Michigan is going to have to play into Skull in that round of 64. That's a pretty, <laughs> you know, that, that that's that's a one that, you know, that was, you know, at the U.S. Open last year, that was basically two of the top four teams in a face-off there at the round of 64. So it's kind of a little bit of an unfortunate draw, how that, how that one works out. But you never know what's going to happen with some of this group play. So, yeah, you know, it could be Coob Stashes, it could be Pure Michigan. They had a very, very good semifinal matchup it went three and i think there was 10 coups in play i believe in that last round so you know it's it's so there's going to be definitely some fireworks in that round of 64 if things play out the way that i you know at least the way that i predict and also the you know then skull's gonna have another tough match you have the scooby dudes and uh tim mosco just gets better and better all the time i've seen him play so that's that's definitely you know according to my predictions that one seems like it could be could be coming you know pass as well in the round of 32 yeah, we'll have to do a podcast shortly after the championship so we can all eat crow on our, our poor <laughs> predictions and, and undervaluing of, of, of teams. So Yeah, that's always the risk of making predictions, right? Yeah, you may have to live with those afterwards. But <laughs> Right. Very cool. So, gentlemen, it's it, I think it's been about near three months since our last cast. I know we've pledged offline as a team to work better on getting more content out to the community. So we have that as a takeaway. We're going to try to get a podcast fired up in July after nationals. So let me ask this question. What have you done to get better at Coob or to be a better steward to the game since the last podcast three months ago? Evan, I'll start with you. Okay. Uh, yeah, from content, you know, I definitely I've been working on some articles for Kuban. Uh, I had a couple of them that, that was out there. So uh, if you haven't checked out Kuban.com, please do. It's, a, in my opinion, one of the coolest things I've seen. So I've been started here at Kub. It's uh, It's got a lot of great content. There's a lot of different people, diverse community, a lot of really interesting articles, as well as if you want to see the finals of a tournament live, uh, they're doing that on with Facebook Live. You know, they're spreading some of the reporters, you know, the group are out. And so it's just an awesome way to see some really good Kube and, and, and really kind of learn a lot from there. So, you know, that's one thing. Definitely podcast. You no, know, in addition to 
Now we'll do this one a little bit more structured. I have some interviews set up for some other podcasts. So I'm going to get that out there. And then I won't be at the Nationals this year. I'm really trying to spend a lot more time locally here. And uh, we're, we're going to be running demos on it every Friday night up through the U.S. Open as part of the concert series. We're going to have a league play out at Rock Bar and Grill in Beloit, as well as I'm working with a, a local church on Sundays to to get some people playing as well there. So for me, it's a lot of really trying to get help, you know, like I said, with, with some more content, like Josh said, something we're working on, as well as really building some more local, kind of spread the game out more what what, what Coob is here, here in the Stateline region. I'm digging it. Appreciate all the support, all the help you're doing for folks, our community. Chad, what have you done to get better at Coob? What have you done to be a better steward of the game? What uh, we've been doing recently is, as Evan said, is we're really gearing up for the U.S. Open. Behind the scenes, we've been doing stuff to start com- getting stuff to come together for the Open. Like we've been working on the, the, the radio and that come together. Some some other things that uh, Josh and I have been working on, you know, maybe we'll talk in a future podcast with a referee and getting those people in and, and you know, getting them uh, up to par with the, the training and everything else like that. It's really starting to amp up on that side of it. Having coming off my, the busy season for me personally of playing Coob is I've played in now five different tournaments in five different states. So for me, this early on was pretty busy with playing in tournaments, getting around to, to five different states, having uh, some really good time tournaments. But uh, right now the focus is on, at least for me personally, the focus is on the, the U.S. Open. So putting that together and making it the best tournament that we've had yet so far. So some really cool, fun, exciting stuff, not only for you know the competitive guys coming in, but also for any skill level coming in. We try to make it fun for everybody. Uh, I do do know, maybe if you haven't heard, but the Kate Tendorf, the author of the book Freya, she's planning on coming. She's going to have her book there. So we're doing some interesting things with her. Just a little, uh, little tidbit with that. But um, some, some pretty exciting stuff. So that's kind of what uh, I've been doing. What about you, Josh? You know, the, the work, Chad, that we were doing the, the spring, the summer, to publish the referee program, I think that was a big milestone for us. So I'm I'm thinking we take next podcast, we, we fire one up after Nats, kind of do a debrief, and then dig into the referee program and what that means, what our philosophies were behind that. That was a big win for us, I think, a uh, big win for me. And, you know, with Cube Open continuing to to be amazing, maybe at some point in the future, I'll be able to play in it and, and, you know, get called on a couple of helicopters or something from some refs that, that have made it through the program. And as far as getting better at Coob this week, I set up my pitch and started digging into rep- repetitions for nationals. So I took the week of July 4th off and planned to get a ton of throws in and get prepared for that. Nice. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting thing, you know, Josh. I mean, I know that even Chris and yourself haven't played in many tournaments, maybe as in the past leading up to nationals. Is that something you guys have been working on together to kind of talk about what you're going to do to get tuned up for the nationals this year? Yeah, we need to get together and start throwing. You know, it's not like riding a bike, that's for sure. If you take too much time off, your your skills do weaken. Getting back up to speed, getting into a into a form where where you're competitive takes practice. Regardless of whether you're going to tournaments, uh, tournaments is is 
as far as I'm concerned, one of the best ways to practice. But if you don't have the luxury of being able to go to, to tournaments, you got to put the reps in in the backyard. And it has to be consistent. One of the things that I do that helps me is measuring my improvement. It gives me something to look at. When I started two days ago practicing eight meters, I, I set up eight cubes, or I set up 10 cubes and I have 10 batons, and I know exactly what my percentage is. And I just try to be better the next day. I'll do generally try to do 100 to 200 reps a night with, with the eight meters. And then with the drilling, it's just, you know, while the grill's warming up, go out and then drill and continue to, to move the pitch around as, as the dead spots get bigger. There's no substitute for tournament practice. Yep, exactly. And that's what I find the tournaments, you know, in the, definitely always encouraging people to come out and try, especially if you're, if you want to be a serious player tournaments is where I've kind of gotten over a lot of the nerves or really learning how to play with pressure or get over the intimidation factor, maybe of playing against really strong players. And, and so uh, that, that, that's a really hard thing to overcome if you're only making one or two tournaments a year. So, so yeah, like Josh says, I mean, obviously to tune up the skills, you got to get in the backyard. Hopefully a lot of you too. And the nice thing is, you know, I'd say everybody's life's not in a situation where they can do it, but there's so many amazing Coob communities out there and, and new locals. I mean, I, I just love kind of going to these different cities and towns and, and meeting these new new people who are just getting into Coob. So I guarantee you'll have a great time if you get out there and play. I think that's about all we have time for this month on Open Pitch. The sun is setting and it's time. <laughs> what time is it? 1040? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We all have work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, getting late. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. Think... That's not the sun setting. That's the neighbor's porch light. <laughs> all right. Well, definitely uh, thanks for everybody who's listening to this podcast. And certainly uh, look for more of us this summer. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for listening. set up sound play. This is it, man. This is war. Once we're done, we'll play some more, yeah Come with me, I know what to do